You are listening to KC Sports Network, proudly presented by Emprise Bank. Coming up, the latest episode of Three Mall. Hello and welcome into another edition of Three Ma. I am John Kurtz, joined as always by Derek Young from K-State Online, Cole Manbeck, former beat writer for the Manhattan Mercury. And uh, I wish we were talking to you under better circumstances. I suppose K-State did win a basketball game and we are going to get to that, but uh, there are much, much more serious matters at play here that uh, we definitely need to discuss here on the pod. As always, it is brought to you by our friends at Holiday Distillery, who may be coming in very clutch for you with how things have gone over the past week, uh, whether it has been Holiday Bottled and Bond Bourbon or 360 Vodka, make sure that you get stocked up. Support our friends at Holiday Distillery who support us. Ben Holiday Bottled and Bond Bourbon, we get rave reviews for in 360 Vodka, a classic in its own right. So support Holiday Distillery. We appreciate them getting us rolling here on the pod. So when I say more serious things afoot, look, I know maybe some have kind of moved on from all the drama of last week, but I think we are here with the message that that is absolutely not something that anybody should be doing here because the consequences and the stakes are very high. Uh, With everything that has happened with K-State University President Richard Linton, we're definitely going to shed some insight on things that uh, that we believe based on what we have been hearing and just outline things that you can plainly see if you put it together and follow it to, uh, to be able to pick apart some of the things that have been said, starting with this letter that came out. I know D.Y. and Cole did a show just a couple of hours before the letter was dropped on. Was that Thursday? The Wednesday or Thursday? It was on Friday, right? I, I think you're all off. I think it was Thursday. I think it was Thursday. No, definitely. I think, I think it was on Friday. It was on it was Friday. December 8th. Okay, never mind. It was Friday. All right. It was Friday. It was Friday because that's when uh, Richard Lenton wants to do his news stop. You know, PR 101, do it on Friday. Yeah, it was Friday because I was on a plane for Baton Rouge. Okay, okay, so Friday. That's right, you guys recorded the... That's where I'm getting thrown off. You had recorded the... Anyway, all right, the letter comes out on Friday. This is after, by the way, K-State has released a press release saying that Naquan Tomlin was off the team. It said literally at the end of the press release, um, and this press release came out two days before that, said this will be the only comment that will be issued from Kansas State University and K-State Athletics. Well, in between them, we got two more comments publicly from Kansas State University and K-State Athletics because we had the video from Jerome Tang that had temporarily calmed people down, had me legitimately thinking like, oh, maybe that was just like totally on his own accord and, you know, we can kind of chill on this. Only to see <clears throat> see this letter come out the next day from Richard Linton divulging some more of the details about Naquan Tomlin, pointing out that it is a second incident that's really the issue here as opposed to just the, the Aggieville incident. And kind of throwing Naquan Tomlin under the bus here and trying to defend his position even more after, again, the press release that we believe was forced upon Gene Taylor to put out there said this would be the only comment from Kansas State University and K-State Athletics. So, Cole, you've been all over this. I'm just going to hand it off to you right now to point out the issues here with this letter before we get into even beyond that what we believe is being spread behind behind closed doors here right now by Richard Linton to try and do damage control and throw people off the scent of what has actually transpired here i mean first of all the it's it's bad pr the timing of when they released the letter i mean if if you were going to put something out richard linton and the university should have put something out on wednesday or on tuesday earlier in the week they waited far too long if they were going to do anything so then doing it on Friday and completely contradicting yourself and, and issuing a statement after you said K-State would have no farther comment. You know, look, to me, it insinuates that Richard Linton wanted to get the last word, that he didn't feel like the video from Jerome Tang maybe accomplished everything that he specifically wanted, even though the, the video was a home run. I mean, Kansas State fans loved it. Jerome Tang is terrific at calming everybody and unifying the voices and the people. And it seems like Richard Linton uh, wasn't still wasn't thrilled or 100% on board and wanted to get the last word out there that uh, maybe he didn't think he got shined in a positive enough spotlight. He wasn't mentioned or referenced in the video from Jerome Tang. So my only assumption or guess is maybe he thought Jerome Tang should have highlighted him as well. It, it seems like uh, he wasn't, you know, 
a, a huge fan of the video. I, I'm, that's just that's my assumption, honestly. But the, as far as the actual letter, I, I think it's ridiculous what he did. Well, because I mean, the question with the question with the is like, what, why? Why put it out? You know, why extend the news cycle on this thing? Like it had finally started to calm down, and I legitimately was thinking after seeing the Tang video. I mean, and I was a little bit skeptical about how directed that was from the top. And I look, I think we believe that there was some motivation uh, outside of just Jerome Tang wanting to do that outside of the the goodness of his own heart uh, to to put that out there. But it, I mean, it, because Tang is incredible, it worked. But yes, there was no mention of university leadership in in the video. There was no mention of like, hey, I'm on board with this decision. It was just a message of like, hey, pray for Naquan Tomlin and let's move forward with love. Very generic as far as that goes, but Tang does it so damn genuinely that it did work. And I legitimately thought, all right, like things are going to, things are going to calm down here for a little while. So why, why upset the apple cart with this? And DY, I'll let you go here in a second, but I'm going to read some of the letter here from Richard Linton. Uh, he says, the principal question at the heart of Naquan Tomlin's release from the men's basketball team seems to be around understanding the role a university president plays in the student-athlete conduct decisions. I want to take the opportunity to outline the policy governing this process in full transparency. The NCAA Board of Governors has required each member institution to adopt a serious misconduct policy covering a number of potential allegations, including Title IX, which, oof, Title IX getting thrown in there, okay. Uh, under the university's serious misconduct policy, the university president is involved in collaboration with the athletic director and head coach, when making a final decision concerning a student-athlete's conduct and team membership. The decision to release Naquan from the men's basketball team was made in full compliance with all applicable policies. When decisions like this are made, a range of factors are considered, including the entire history of a student-athlete's behavior. The reporting that this decision was made solely due to an incident at a bar in Aggieville is not accurate. There remains much which we cannot share with the university community under federal laws, namely FERPA, which protects a student's right to privacy while attending a university. I know this is difficult as you want to understand all that has transpired, but in the absence of being able to share any more specifics, I hope that the details I am sharing today help bring resolution to any lingering questions. Yeah, cleared it right up, buddy. Uh, I want you to know that our university and our athletics department are unified. <laughs> Excuse me while I laugh. There is no us versus them. Together we are one K-State. The relationship between the university athletics and the K-State community at large is special, and I will never take it for granted. All right, so there, there's the letter, D.Y. I'll let you, I'll let you take it. Okay, uh, just a few points here that um, maybe you guys touched on, but I, I, I think my takeaway is one, he relit the fuse that was already diffused, so there was no point in the letter other than for him to feel compelled to defend himself, and I think he was probably discouraged in doing so and still did. Uh, so that's, yeah, I guess, not anything severe in terms of everything that has unfolded, but probably annoying when you got someone that's kind of on that path. And I would say the second takeaway is, and you guys probably know this better than, uh, you definitely know it better than me because of your guys's career and stuff, but usually when you have to issue two press releases or at least more than one, you're doing it wrong, right? You're supposed to get at everything you want accomplished with the first one and there shouldn't be another. I mean, if you consider everything that's unfolded, we basically got three, and there's rumors there could be another. So uh, this is from a, just from a PR and crisis management, uh, basically an example of what not to do, in my opinion. You mentioned that letter was used to divulge further details. Well, if it's of the nature that they are saying it is, you're not supposed to divulge the details. So I'm sure his legal counsel probably advised him not to, and he still did, is my assumption there what I would believe. Yeah, not not just legal counsel. I look, again, Cole and I is PR people. Cole, as a PR person, I would have been begging this guy not to not to put this thing out, not to not to make us put this thing out. Like what are you doing? I I cannot yeah, imagine both, that there was one single person who thought that that was a good idea. Both from a legal standpoint, considering what he shared and because the matter started to settle um based off term things video. So it just was pointless and the last thing is while I think that there was an acknowledgement, maybe by all parties, because I, I think I can acknowledge this too, that the situation was starting to escalate and needed to be de-escalated. I think everyone acknowledged that, but I do think doing it via video 
with the heartfelt message was Jerome Tang's solution, personal solution. You can say it needed to be de-escalated. I mean, I, I guess in some ways it did. I, I look at it and say, I think the way all this is handled and everything that's that's happened is certainly worthy of escalation. And I, I fear de-escalation too much over time. And people, that's a part of why we're sitting here still talking about this, outlining to you, like just trying to show you guys, like do not buy everything that is coming out of this dude's mouth right now and what is happening. And it's, it's not even that you have to take our word for it from what we're hearing, which... If you did that, I mean, you would certainly be taking our word for it, but there are also plenty of things we can outline with how this process has gone that don't sync up with anything that he is saying about this. He said, let me let me read this statement again from the letter. Uh, I want you to know that our university and our athletics department are unified. There is no us versus them. Why, why is it, again, that it takes three statements or three eh, statements, basically, from people to rectify this, but also in the initial press release, there's no quote from Jerome Tang. Like in a press release about dismissing a player from a team, you're generally going to have a quote from the head coach that that would indicate that the head coach was not on board with this. And yet Linton's line, Linton's line publicly and certainly privately, we believe, has been that everybody was on the same page. That is just asinine and and ridiculous. Um, I guess, Cole, I'll let you expand a little bit more on that because I know that in terms of people who have been hearing things here, uh, you are you are highest on that list. So I'll, I'll just let you have the floor as far as that goes, but it's, it is unbelievable. And this is basically, I'll just, I'll close with this. It is morphed to me. This is not, don't get caught up in the Naquan Tomlin aspect of this story purely. This is not a Naquan Tomlin story anymore. This is a Richard Linton story. Um, because we can debate, you know, right. With everybody not, not knowing what is going on, specifically with both incidents here of Naquan Tomlin, like the public not having that knowledge. Like it is certainly open for debate, whatever people want to say about whether or not he should have actually been dismissed. Now, there are a whole host of schools interested in him. Kansas is recruiting him. They're under the same board of regents. Um, I would tell you that that seems pretty ridiculous that he's not going to play here, but he is able to play at a, at a school right down the road in the same state governed by the same people. But we can have that argument. But beyond that, just the way all of this has been handled and what is we believe is happening behind the scenes. It is a Richard Linton story and a story that threatens running a lot of people out of the athletic department at a time where you you can't afford that. You just can't afford that. Uh, in this realignment landscape and with all the synergy that K-State has had going with Jerome Tang and Chris Kleiman, I mean, Jerome Tang is the best thing that has happened to this university since Bill Snyder, bar none, and you are certainly at risk. We believe certainly at risk of losing him because of all of this. And I would tell you, I, if I'm Gene Taylor, I'm not sure that I want to be working around this either. So these are the stakes, and this is this is why we think it is that important. I'm being told that I somehow have to wedge a nice, friendly home field read in the middle of all of this. Uh, so look, get on down to homefieldapparel.com. Life is good. You can wear all the K-State gear that you want because you're damn proud of your university right now. I know I am damn proud of my university right now. So Make sure to wear all the Home Field Apparel gear that you can gather at homefieldapparel.com. You can get 15% off your first order with promo code 3 ma 23 uh, so make sure to do that. You can even go Hawaii Rainbow Warriors if you're if you're starting to jump off this train like DY. Not that DY's jumping off the train, but he went Hawaii Rainbow Warriors. Sorry there, Derek. Don't mean to throw you under the bus too much. Um, but you can, you can get into other schools if you would like is the point there at homefieldapparel.com. We appreciate all their help, and we'll be back with Cole's thoughts in just a second. Thanks for listening to KC Sports Network. Make sure you download our new app. Find it on the App Store or Google Play. Just search KC Sports Network. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. 
And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. All right, Cole, so your reaction to the, the narrative that is being spun publicly and what we believe privately here by Richard Linton right now. So, so what I believe is being spun privately is uh, this has been exhausting for all of us, I know, and it's been exhausting for me because, guys, I've had similar text messages sent to me from a number of people over the last few days, including one DY and I both got the same message essentially on Saturday night. It was really funny timing because we got them two hours apart and then we realized it was probably the same person that was told this, uh, that uh, we believe Richard Linton is telling people behind the scenes that the plan all along was for Naquan Tomlin to graduate here in December and then he was going to move on and that they were all in agreement on that decision. When I say all, Gene Taylor, Jerome Tang, and Richard Linton were all in agreement that Naquan Tomlin would graduate and move on as a grad transfer in December. That is what we believe that he's been telling people based off very similar text messages that have been going out uh, to a variety of donors, not not texts going out to the donors, but from meetings that have occurred with some of those individuals, from phone calls that have occurred between Richard Lenton and some of those individuals. So my message would be, guys, if you hear this story, call bullshit on it because it's not true, all right? It's not hard to figure out that this is a lie if he is telling you this. If somebody tells you this story, not Richard Lenton, if anybody tells you the story, it is an outright lie. The plan was never for Naquan Tomlin to move on at graduation here in December and move on from Kansas State. Nobody was fully in agreement with that. That was not a decision that was unified. And all you have to do to line up the timeline on that is take a Jeff Goodman tweet. Okay, Jeff Goodman's very connected in the college basketball world. November 6th, this is right before the USC game in Las Vegas. Kansas State will be without Quez Glover out six to eight weeks and Naquan Tomlin tonight against USC in Las Vegas. There is optimism that Tomlin could return, return fairly soon as long as the legal situation is resolved. Naquan Tomlin then received his diversion on November 16th. He then appeared on the K-State bench for the Oral Roberts game. Was it the Oral Roberts game? That was the Central Arkansas, right, D.Y.? Central Arkansas was the first game that Naquan Tomlin reappeared on the bench. On November 22nd, Jerome Tang says on the status of Naquan Tomlin, quote, nothing's changed. There's a certain process that's being taken care of. And now we move on to the next part of things. 
I wanted Naquan around the team because it's not good for him to be by himself and isolated. That's never good for someone to not be around the people that love him and have to go through this by himself. So he's been at practices with us. He hasn't been practicing because his ankle is still hurt, but he's been at practice and he's been in film sessions and all our mentor meetings and stuff. So he's still part of this team, not just active. Okay, you don't, you don't say these things if the plan is for Naquan Tomlin to move on at graduation. You don't boot him a couple weeks later from the people that he loves and remove him from the team and remove him from that atmosphere if that's the case. Um, and then I'm, if that was the case, then they would have just waited until he actually graduated before they did this. And they would have just let him enter the transfer portal and move on on his own accord. They wouldn't have announced it on the Wednesday. And we probably, I think it's fair to insinuate, wouldn't have had Naquan Tomlin putting out on his Instagram page on Wednesday, I just want to be free. Okay? So yeah, that's... so if you hear if you hear that story, if you hear that narrative, please ask a follow-up. I've got one more thing to add. Would Why would Naquan Tomlin's parents have, or family, I shouldn't say, why would he have had family come in for the Villanova game? What Naquan Tomlin's family was at the Villanova game. Why? Why would that have happened? And why would he be okay with that process? Well, of course, yes. Why would he be okay with that process? Yes, yeah. That's, a, that's, that's a very good question, Derek. Why would he? Yeah. Why would he be okay with that process? He wouldn't. And then someone will argue. I'm sure that's listening to this. Oh, maybe he wasn't aware of that process. Do you really think Jerome Tang hides that from him? Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Like this is where again we come down to like. The things that we know about how Richard Linton has publicly handled this process versus the things that we know about how Jerome Tang has always conducted himself publicly. If you are going to side with Richard Linton on that, you need your head checked out, my friend. I'm sorry. That is crazy. So, yeah, would Jerome Tang have let his parents just come and hang out, his family, his family just come and hang out for the Villanova game if there wasn't like an expectation that potentially he was going to play there? And if you want to say, like, oh, they were there for graduation, that was Tuesday, man. That was Tuesday. The guys from the East Coast, like, they're going to come into Manhattan, Kansas on a Tuesday to be there all the way for Saturday graduation? Come on, man. There's enough that you can piece together. And this is the problem, like, if, again, we believe people are being told this behind the scenes, they're they're probably just not prepared to, like, ask all these follow-up questions, and they're going to get ambushed with what the narrative is that is being fed to them. So, yeah, I would echo what Cole said. Even if you even if you are skeptical of us, you're not convinced by this public timeline. You are not convinced by us saying that this is what we are being told behind the scenes. Ask questions. It's this is a worthy enough cause to ask questions, because if you really are being lied to, then that means you've got some really unhappy people in the athletic department that would be flight risks. And you can't have you've got the reigning athletic director of the year. You've got what Tang was Tang Tang get Big 12 coach of the year. Well, he was the Naismith Coach of the Year. I mean, he was the coach the national 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 Coach of the Year. You got the Athletic Director of the Year too, and Gene Taylor, right? So, you know, and you've got a guy in football who won a Big Twelve championship just over three hundred and sixty-five days ago. This is way too important to just sit idly by and listen to whatever narrative we believe is being spun to you behind the scenes from Richard Linton. Do not do that ask questions it is far 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 too important do not let this slide do not just let this sit and blow over this is it is not i just cannot stress that enough the stakes are too high and we have seen too many signs of of horrid leadership here to just be comfortable and content sitting by with all of this so uh, that's that's the main message today one last note i had written down here when we were talking to basically referring back to those multiple statements. Now, the statement, I believe, was it on Tuesday, the first one from Gene, maybe Wednesday? Yeah, Wednesday, I think, said that I did not come to this decision lightly or along those lines, I believe, which I think most people understood that that was something he was basically told to put out in terms of revealing the Naquan Tomlin permanent suspension, um, though it was a something that was made at the presidential level. So he says, I didn't come to it lightly. But then you have a couple of days later, I think in Linton's statement says, myself, Jerome Tang, Gene Taylor, there's just no consistent messaging. And if anyone wants to know, like, are these guys on the same page? If they were, 
you wouldn't need multiple statements. If they were, the message would be consistent. It would be a unified, like to what John said earlier, it would be, you would probably have a statement from Richard Linton, Gene Taylor, and Jerome Tang all in the same release, right? Like you would typically, so you would see one from each just commenting about Naquan Tomlin being dismissed. Yeah, I was yeah. Tank, there's, yeah, uh, the, it meant something particular, particularly to me that Jerome Tank didn't put his name on that. Right. Look, yeah, I, I just I wouldn't take lightly to being lied to to my face or over a phone call from a leader if that's what happens. So I just hope people keep asking questions like John said and keep digging in to find the truth. I mean, look, you can believe us if you if you want. Uh, or don't believe us if you want, whatever. But I would ask questions because I've gotten far too many people reaching out to us that... I would, yeah, I would just say that I think if you're listening, I think we presented enough evidence to at least be skeptical of the line that the president is using. Right. Yeah. So, I, look, I, I'm, I, I don't want to talk about this. None of us want to talk about this. It's, it's exhausting. I'm sure many of you are tired of it. They're like, why are these guys, in case they just won two games last week in basketball, why are they talking about this still? They're just looking for negative headlines. Because, because, I, because I, like, I like having weeks where K-State wins two games of basketball. That's why the hell we're talking about this. Yeah. I enjoy having Jerome Tang winning multiple games a week because he's a really damn good coach. And it ties into what we're about to talk about with this team, that they're playing better through this freaking forest of distractions that surrounds them by the way he is an unbelievable coach man and yes that is why we're talking about this because there was again there was no quote from jerome tang on this release do you think he was really in favor of losing arguably his best player here in this scenario that is now being recruited by like four other schools in the conference so he not only would be losing him he might have to play against them no it is pretty obvious anybody with a brain can figure out that that has been forced upon him you think that's going to sit well with Jerome Tang, the Jerome Tang that we know, and he knows that that guy is now going to be hovering above him here, at least for now, uh, as the president of the university? Like Gene Taylor, again, we believe, but we certainly strongly believe that is not a release that he wanted to send out and was and was forced upon him. If you're the athletic director of the year in the country, is that somebody that you are going to want to work under? Ask yourself these questions. How would it go if it was in your job and you were being overruled and made to do things that publicly put you in front of something that was not your decision, right? Like, DY read that quote, I did not take this decision, or I did not make this decision lightly. Just cut off the sentence that I did not make this decision. <laughs> I mean, that's that's what the release and the quote actually should have said. So, anyway. Yeah. I know a lot of people will be like, well, these guys are just being fanatical or fans are being fanatical because this is only about winning basketball games and getting a player. To me, this isn't, D.Y. and I talked about this on Friday's show, this isn't about the singular decision of removing Naquan Tomlin from the roster necessarily. You know what? Richard Linton might have more facts, you know, regarding this and he made that decision, uh, whatever, but be upfront, be transparent around it. And also what to me it is really about is the pattern of behavior leading up to that and the pattern of behavior post that situation that has me really questioning and trusting the leadership of Kansas State University at this time. Uh, I haven't been critical of the decision or outcome. There's things I would draw conclusions from that would make me skeptical at least or, or at least confused as to the decision or outcome, but I haven't been critical of it because I, I don't know what I don't know on that, right? Um, there's probably... There might be some defense of it. I don't know. But what I have been critical of, and I think I'm just in doing so, is the corrupt process and the corrupt behavior throughout. And, and I would just, it, again, so much of this, if Richard Linton were a true leader, right, and he was standing on a principle here, he is saying, hey, the real issue was incident number one, right? Well, then incident number two occurs shortly thereafter. If it is, If it is that bad, it's like that big of a deal, as the kids would say, stand on business, my man. Why was he not gone then? Why was it allowed to drag on? Why was it this flaky process behind the scenes where everything continues to, you know, and I guess if you're buying his BS, then the line would be, well, we were going to be nice and let him graduate or whatever. We just, you know, decided to ax that three days beforehand. Um, well, it's just, the, it's it's John, it's the, the timing. I asked DY on Friday, I was like, why, why does it happen on Wednesday evening? When Tuesday night we're at the game and you hear the free 
we want Naquan Tomlin chance for the student section and Richard Lenton's at the basketball game. And then less than 24 hours later, he, he boots Naquan Tomlin for the basketball team. It just feels like a reactionary emotional decision, which you don't want from leaders. Right. So I look, he faced a lot of pressure and I would insinuate that has a little bit of something to do with ego there and becoming public enemy number one and wanting to turn that back around. And that would tie back in with why he responds with a letter after a video that was perfectly executed by Jerome Tang, but didn't mention him. Ego. Ego. Can't take being public enemy number one. Uh, Stand by your decision, man. If you're going to do it, stand by your decision. Everything about this process has been a jumbled mess and nothing that in any way resembles leadership. So, look, Jerome Tang's a hell of a leader, man. He just won by 15 at LSU with all this shit hanging over them. I mean, I... I am so impressed by that effort on Saturday to go out and win the game. And and that's not all just Jerome Tang, right? I mean, that's the players, too. I think Tyler Perry had to deal with a hell of a lot of distractions this week, and he went out and helped K-State play pretty well uh, against LSU. So I just, this team puts you through the ringer with the two overtime games against Oral Roberts and North Alabama the, the previous week, but coming back and fighting through a lot of adversity in that Villanova game to get Tyler Perry, Mr. Big Shot, to win you that game, and then following it up with, I know LSU is not a great team by any stretch of the imagination, but it was a road game. They were a a two-and-a-half-point underdog, and they went down there and win by double digits. Like, I don't think there's any way you can come away anything other than really impressed by that, D.Y., and I'll I'll start with you here since you you were there in Baton Rouge. No, it was an impressive win. Um, kind of looking back on it, all I can think about was one stretch of basketball where Kansas State was particularly threatened. They went up 56-39 to 39 and then allowed them to claw back and pull within 58-55, and then Kansas State took control again. Other than that stretch, it was a dominant performance. You mentioned a pretty good outing by Tyler Perry. Um, really, it was your three stars, and I would call them the three stars at this point. Tyler Perry, Cam Carter in Arthur Kaluma, and then carried this team, especially on the offensive end, probably on the defensive end as well. Will McNear also a really good uh, stat line as well, which I didn't catch my eye until now. So, how it was full of distractions. Um, I didn't think, I thought it was too tough a spot to win. And you're going on the road in the SEC. It was not a great environment. It actually was one of the worst environments I've ever seen in college basketball. And you're still going on the road. <laughs> It was. It was funny. The the only thing I would compare it somewhat to uh, in the Big 12 is Oklahoma. Oklahoma is the worst environment, I think, in the Big 12. And the LSU game was similar. And I was at somewhere getting a bite to eat after the game and speaking. I don't know if they were students. They were definitely LSU fans. They either were students or were just students. And we were talking, and and, we said – Man, what what's going on with that student section? There was like only two people there, and their comment was, "Well, that's two more than usual." So, um, so that's what we're talking about on that front, which is a little startling to me. Um, so I wonder if how quickly LSU is going to be in the hunt for a new basketball coach. But at the same time, I mean, well, can I, can I can I interject? Can I interject there, Dy, to perfectly yeah. meld our two parts of this pod together? Guess who I saw in the in the quote tweets and the comments of the Jerome Tang video statement that he had to put out there? LSU fans saying a statement from the next head coach of the LSU Tigers. Just to emphasize what we're dealing with here, people. Sounds like Michigan may be in the market for a new coach here soon, too. Well, I think Jerome Tang values atmospheres, and uh, I think he recognizes there's there's never really been a good atmosphere in LSU basketball. It's weird, isn't it, D.Y., that... Uh, a school that can pack 85, 90,000 and has an electric dynamite football atmosphere can't can't get anything on the basketball front. It's crazy. Yeah, the, and the same people said they sell out for the women, so the women get more attendance than the men. Isn't the gym, like, aren't the seats, like, really angled back so you're really far away from the court? That's what it looked like on TV. I didn't get that. But, uh, all right. You know, all right. Well, I'd say, I did see their baseball stadium. Jeez, uh, that's like... Holy moly. Yeah. You yeah. think Texas has a like obnoxious baseball stadium? LSU is like two Texases. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it was a uh, really impressive. Yeah. R- really impressive how they went down there. And um, 
you know, for the most part controlled that game. They fell behind 13 to seven, but then they eventually take control and they get up by 11 in the first half at one point. And like you mentioned, DYLSU made its push, cut it to three from 17 in a, a matter of just a few minutes, but K-State responded and pushed that lead back out to double digits. And I thought K-State's defense was really solid in this game. They hold LSU to 41%. They turn them over around 15 times, I think, in the game. K-State crashed the boards. They out-rebounded them, I believe, 39 to 26. And um, just a, re- a really impressive effort. Cam Carter got off to a blazing hot start going back to his home state. It was really impressive. He finishes the game with 21 points. And, you know, once again, uh, you know, Arthur Kaluma, 17 points, 11 rebounds. I tweeted out the numbers the other night, just how good Arthur Kaluma has been now in his uh, his last 17 games. He's averaging 19 points, 9 rebounds, 43 of 78 shooting, which is 55%, 13 of 26 from 3, which is 50%, and 32 of 37 from the foul line, 86%. He ranks 10th in the Big 12 in scoring, 4th in rebounding, 9th in free throw percentage, and 16th in field goal percentage. D.Y., it kind of feels like Keontae-type you know, numbers. I'm not comparing their games. I think their games are a little different, but, you know, he's packing the box score and a lot of different stat lines like Keontae did. I believe Keontae was like top 10 in rebounding too and was one of the better field goal percentage guys. Yeah. Uh, Kellis Robinette from the Kansas City Star, which Tully also was there covering the game. And I, and I remember at one point I lead over him too. And when I think it was Arthur Kluma hit like two threes uh, pretty close to one another. I said, man, from the three-point line, especially where he's shooting it from, because it's the same spots that Keontae was shooting from right there on the wing or in the corner a lot, like it just feels Keontae-ish is what I said in terms of when you let – like now you're you're almost – you feel like it's going in almost every time he shoots the ball from the three-point line at that particular spot on the floor. It's like it's that left wing, I think, that left wing or that left corner where he's just gotten really comfortable from right now. Well, he's shooting 39% from three on the year. Keontae last year was 40.5% from three. Keontae shot 51.6% from the floor. Arthur Kaluma is north of 47% right now. So, um, And then you look at like Keontae finished with 17.4 points per game last year and 6.8 boards. And Arthur Kaluma is at right around 17 points and 8.8 rebounds right now. So he's been a, a really just terrific rebounder. That's what's really impressed me in addition to his scoring. I knew Arthur Kaluma could score, but man, he's been there. He's their leading rebounder guy in this team. He's going and attacking the glass. I mean, he's he's definitely a dude, and he he got challenged earlier this year publicly by by Jerome Tang with the you know what, being asked what does Arthur Kaluma need to do, and he says buy in, and just left it at that. I mean, it hasn't been perfect since then, but lately it's it's been pretty darn close, man. He is he is turning into that type of a guy. Seems like Cam Carter. I mean, he is, he's definitely in dude territory too. His, his is more like you, you t- tend to get like a great half out of cam. And then, you know, like, I think we saw that in the, the first half versus the second half on, on Saturday, there is a little bit of that going on with him, but I guess the question that, well, DY, do you have something on cam? You want to expand on cam? I would say, and Cole can probably correct me if I'm wrong here. We talk about the second half. I would say that cam is playing a lot of minutes right now. And yeah. you wonder if that yeah. is catching up to him in the second half of games. I, I was going to say that, that I think he's played 39 minutes or more and like four, and granted some overtime games in there, but he's been north of 40 in uh, some of those games because of overtime. They're relying on him, Kaluma, and Perry to play a ton of minutes right now, which I do think when they get Quez Glover back, guys, that will help alleviate some of those minutes it'll give you another guard where you can get at least a couple minutes off the court for some of those guys and he's nearing his return but i mean cam now eighth in the big 12 in scoring at 17 points per game he's fourth in the league and steals at 2.3 per game carter kaluma and perry all averaging over 16 points per game all three rank in the top 12 in the big 12 in scoring only only team with three guys in the top 12 in scoring in the league Getting Quez back will help uh, Perry and Carter because you can take one of them off the floor and throw in um, Quez. The only problem is it's like you can't play all three of them together, so you're not really helping Kaluma a lot. Yeah, I don't know how you take Kaluma off too much other than, you know, Michaela Bridge, if he can get more acclimated. He hasn't played the last couple games. If they can 
maybe they go small and they have RJ Jones out there, you know, sometimes it's a little bit bigger guard. RJ getting better with and continuing to make strides would help because he can play the threes a little bit bigger. Yeah. Do we do we think there's anything to, you know, because I wondered this, like we're sitting here saying like, hey, distractions, they had to deal with all of that. Is there a part of this that could be really galvanizing for them? Everything they've been through in the last couple weeks, particularly this this last week, um, that it can bring bring them together and combined with just like the weight of having like the Tomlin thing had just been, you know, we've been aware of this going back to October. And like that's that's been hanging over them the entire season essentially and now at, at least there is finality with that they know that Tomlin's not going to be there they know that Tomlin's probably going to be playing somewhere else you can just move forward and say we got to do it with the, the guys that we have here and we don't have to worry about what's going on there we don't have to worry about driving to protest like none of that anymore and we can just go out there and play ball and feel like it's kind of us against the world a little bit it's essentially what Cam said after the game he's like we got who we got we got to do it with these guys we know that Naquan's not coming to help us now I mean, the, that's not the exact quote, but I think it was along those lines. And we have the video at K-State Online or our YouTube channel if you want to check that out. But that was basically what he said. For me, it's like I, I can kind of see it already on the court. And maybe that's just, you know, the amount of games that they've already played with one another and, and getting more, more and more comfortable with the new offensive system. I think that's part of it. But I think this situation has been a galvanizing force for the team because you can even sh- – you can kind of see and listen, listen to post game, listen to Tang, watch them on the court, seeing the chemistry and cohesion, hearing some of these examples of leadership really taking a next step. I I think this has been a galvanizing force of sorts because there were times. Now I was never out on this team, and anybody that was out on this team, I think it was you know very premature to do so, but you could tell it was clunky, and they and they're bod with each other wasn't there yet they weren't a team right like Jerome Tango always uses that where I'm trying to get a team right now instead of you know just a group of individuals and and there is a clear difference between those but now I think it's starting to look like a team starting to feel like a team and you're also seeing that chemistry and connection between fan base and student with this team that didn't exist before too that's making everyone feel much better about that because that is probably everyone's lasting memory of last year's squad is that there was a clear connection between that squad and the students and that squad and the fans. And this, this year, you know, a lot of new players, I think it was still being formed. And I even feel like that's taken a huge step in the last week or two. And you know, that, that means bigger crowds. That means more pride. Um, and I think the players play harder in this situation. So all of this has been a galvanizing force. And I think it's really taken a step forward in a lot of areas because and maybe they're just playing in a good stretch, <laughs> good stretch of basketball. That could be the case too. But the last two games have really opened my eyes to the strides that this team is making. And now I went from the game, hmm, maybe this is just a a bubble team or a first weekend NCAA tournament team. And now I'm like, now the upside in the ceiling of this team's potential is in clear view. I'm like, they can definitely make it to the second weekend. Now that they have to still play better, continue to grow have to have the ball bounce their way. But this is a team that I think people um, sold too short just because of a poor stretch there where they were freaking out because they had to take North Alabama into overtime. This team's potential is still pretty high. We we talked about DY, this team, if they could get to 10-3, and three, that'd be an all-run in the non-con, given the schedule. And now they sit in a position where they have a very good opportunity to get to 11-2 and two in the sure. non-con. And I know that USC and Miami aren't, playing as well especially usc right now they lost to long beach state miami lost colorado by almost 30 without cody williams miami dropped i believe like 14 spots on the net or some large number due to that k-state with the win over lsu immediately jumped from 95th to the net to 69th in the ncaa net rankings well they fell 11 spots to 80 yesterday because usc and miami both lost in the way that you know miami got blown out but I wouldn't, again, that just shows you how much the net fluctuates this early. That it, it, you, you go through the Big 12, K-State wins games, they're going to be just fine. Do not overreact yeah. to the net. And Miami's going to take steps forward. I would imagine they're going to hit their stride at some point in ECC play and go on a run that, that really helps things too. Um, I keep going back and forth, but obviously it's a home game, so I expect the Kansas State win. 
But I was like, man, Nebraska's going to be tougher than we thought. Then we saw them lose by 30 to a Creighton. We're like, okay, maybe not. Now this might be more of an indictment on Michigan State, but that's a good win for the Oscars um, in the Big Ten, knocking off the Spartans. Yeah, and, and look, I mean, I look at this. Nebraska is now 60th in Ken Palm. And just they're eating two with the win over to Michigan State yesterday. But if you look at K State's resume last year, and I, I just prefer Ken Palm over the net this early, especially. But Nebraska's 60th in Ken Palm. K State's best win in the non con last year, according to Ken Palm, was Nevada, which finished 62nd in the rankings. K State's beaten Villanova, which is 29th in Ken Palm. And they beat Providence, which is 47th in Ken Palm. They beat Nebraska. They have an opportunity. And again, you don't know where these teams are going to finish, but they have an opportunity to have three or four wins in the non-con that are better than any win, according to Ken Palm, that they had last year. So, you know, it's uh, they, they've done a, a really nice job navigating through this with some of the distractions and getting them to a place here. And you speak of good crowds, D.Y. Can't wait for the crowd on Sunday against Nebraska next week. I can't wait for the crowd in Kansas City. You mentioned it off air, that a large, large number of tickets sold for T-Mobile Arena. Yeah, they've even they usually have the tops covered, and they're, they've, they're selling all the upper bowl, the entire thing. Um, at least trying to, and probably on their way to doing so. I think over seventeen thousand tickets have already been sold. Um, Nebraska games already sell out in Bramlage Coliseum, so it's gonna be big. Uh, yeah, big few games, and we'll, we'll see where it goes from there. They got to be feeling good about themselves and the brand of basketball they're playing. Yep. Yeah. All right. Is that? Is that all we have on hoops? Any final thoughts? Well, and to comment on your schedule too, and obviously you're right that uh, they have a couple wins already in non-con that they didn't even have last year. Um, but the Big 12 schedule, <laughs> I know you don't get everybody twice, and maybe there's some teams that are going to be a little bit easier than others, but the fact that you have to play BYU twice, go to Houston, um, that doesn't make this year's Big 12 schedule really any different from last year. No, the Big 12 schedule is going to be absolutely brutal. I mean, and that's, yeah, such a such a positive thing to them developing this kind of chemistry and momentum right now at this point in the season because it is going to be very tough. I don't, do they play Oklahoma twice? I mean, Oklahoma's been playing really good basketball too. Can't remember if Oklahoma twice or not. I know, I, I, I know they get Oklahoma, in, or I know they're playing Oklahoma and Manhattan at least. I don't know if they play them twice, but I know they have that as a home game. Man, Oklahoma looks Oklahoma looks really good. They're nine and zero. They have some really nice wins. They're nineteenth in Ken Palm. You got Houston, that's number one in the country in Ken Palm. You got Baylor at seven, BYU at eight, KU at ten, uh, Iowa State at eighteen, Oklahoma at nineteen. You keep going. You got Cincinnati at thirty, et cetera. Texas at thirty six. We know Texas will jump up some more. So toughest league in America again. The only yeah. the only ones where you can where and look you can't take a night off and still beat these teams. But I think the, the more weaker teams are Oklahoma State and West Virginia. Well, West Virginia might uh, – we'll see, we'll see what happens with Naquan Tomlin. I mean, they might get a little better here. It sounds like they, they want him pretty bad. Uh, Oklahoma is not on the schedule twice, by the way. They are only coming to Manhattan, so that that will help. Um, but you're going to be making yeah. road trips to – you're going to be making road trips to Texas Tech, Iowa State, Houston – BYU, Texas, Kansas, Cincinnati. Uh, it was also off to a pretty nice start this year. Like it's it's going to be rough, man. It's now, be rough. Do, you, do you think the atmosphere in Norman has improved yet since they're undefeated and like top ten? I don't know. Going to the SEC would that? I feel like that would maybe naturally make your environment a little bit worse, perhaps slightly worse by being an SEC school now. I, I mean, you guys have covered games there, right? That's a tough. That's a weird place. It just there's no vibe. Yeah, no, the the vibes are are very off, very off at the Lloyd Noble Center. Yeah, no, I've covered games there. I remember one time the Frank Martin era, I covered a game there in 2010, and K State took like 4,000 fans down there. It was a, it was fun. Uh, K State won the game in control, but uh, that was K State fans traveled really well that year. So I I have one person one time tell me like a perfect uh, comparison to it. It's like a food court. <laughs> that's pretty good that's pretty good yeah very sterile uh very sterile environment there man that's awesome cool did you cover the game the uh poland to beasley at the very end game winning shot game watched it in my parents house didn't didn't cover that one uh was at home the blake griffin game too yeah. right yeah when him and griffin, griffin. Yeah. yeah yeah it was a great great game 
uh, but I was not there for that one. It was only, I've, I've been there a few times, but not that one. But yeah, no, it feels, to me, it always felt like kind of like a movie theater too. Like, I don't know, the seats, the, like, I don't Weird, weird place. Weird place. So. Yeah, weird place for sure. Okay, well, we appreciate our, our friends at Homefield Apparel. Get to homefieldapparel.com. Use that promo code 3 mod 23 to get 15% off your first order. See our friends at Holiday Distillery. Go get some Ben Holiday Bottled and Bond Bourbon. Go get some 360 Vodka. We may need it as this saga continues. And please tell people, if they are getting that line about everybody being on the same page and the plan all along was for Naquan Tomlin to be gone after graduation... Send this pod around, listen to it, ask questions. That's all we ask. You don't have to take our word 100% for it if you're going to be a little skeptical, but just start asking some damn questions, man. Start asking some questions and demand answers because this is too important not to. All right, appreciate the work of Nick Springer behind the scenes. For Derek Young and Cole Manbeck, I am John Kurtz. Thanks for listening to another edition of 3Mont. Take care. Thank you for listening to KC Sports Network. We appreciate your support. Don't forget to hit that follow button and leave us a review if you like what you heard. You can find all six of our channels covering the Chiefs, Royals, Sporting KC, and the KC Current, plus KU, K-State, or Mizzou by searching KCSN wherever you listen to podcasts. We're also on YouTube. Entertain. Educate. Inform. KC Sports Network. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.